Revelation. Well, if you have your Bibles now, let's look at John chapter 9. John chapter 9, Jesus is going to heal a blind man. And uh, this whole chapter revolves around uh, this man's spiritual sight. Not only did he heal, Jesus heal physically, but more importantly, Jesus healed him spiritually. And that's what this text is all about this morning. So follow along with me as I read on chapter 9. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Sulm, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes open? And he answered, The man called Jesus, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Then they brought then they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, He's a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son? who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know not that this is our we know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if 
anyone confessed Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. That reminds me of a song. Verse 26, And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he said, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard of that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see me may see, who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of you, some of the, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, we see, and your guilt remains. Verse 5 of John chapter 9 is, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And this is a continuation of John chapter 8 as uh, Jesus continues to be hounded by Pharisees. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is the light of the world. And as the light of the world, he comes and he reveals man's spiritual condition. And he's going to reveal the spiritual condition of the Pharisees' souls. I like the story that uh, Dave Vernon McGee tells about uh, some miners in West Virginia who were working a coal mine, and there was a large explosion. And uh, those coal miners were trapped. 
And uh, so one of the one of the things that the rescuers did in uh, helping assisting these trapped miners is they sit down um, a light. And uh, it took some time, but uh, the event, the light eventually came to the miners. And uh, they were excited that they had received the light. But there was one miner who said, well, why did they send us a light and not turn the light on? And the other miners were baffled. And then they realized that this miner had lost his vision in the explosion. And so here was this light, but the miner who was blind could not see it. And so this is what's happening in this text this morning. Uh, Pharisees who think they have sight who think they can see clearly. They are disciples of Moses. They know the truth. And yet the light of the world has come to them, and they cannot see the light. And the reason why is because they are spiritually blind. Light exposed the man's physical blindness in the mind shaft and the light of the world exposes man's spiritual darkness those who are separated from god the darkness exposes nothing but it's the light of the world that that exposes darkness now, that's a great illustration from J. Vernon McGee, you know, that um, light exposes darkness. But I think it falls a little bit short because the Bible says that even though that we live in this darkness, Romans chapter 1, we are people without excuse. God has put on our hearts to know the truth. And yet man in his rebellious heart has rejected that truth. And so I want us to look at uh, Romans or John chapter 9 this morning and uh, just kind of go through this. We're going to overview a lot of it. But uh, in verses 1 through 5, I want you to see that Jesus saw this blind man when nobody else could. The Bible says in verse 1, And he passed by and saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? As they're passing by this blind man, it's only Jesus that sees this man and the fact that he has been blind for, from birth, and not only does he see, but he cares. The disciples just wanted to have a theological conversation about this man. You know, you know why is this man blind, Jesus? Is it because he sinned or his parents sinned? And Jesus wasn't concerned about that. Jesus was concerned about his physical condition, 
as well as his spiritual condition. The disciples, they just wanted to ask horizontal questions, okay? Why is this man the way he is? And yet Jesus sees this man, and he's not asking, he's not thinking horizontally. He's thinking vertically. For what purposes is this man blind? And Jesus tells his disciples in verse 3, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus saw this blind man, and he he cared enough to do something about it when nobody else would. They just, the rest just wanted to have a theological conversation. So understand this. Jesus cares. Jesus cares for the marginalized. Jesus cares for the handicapped. Jesus cares for the poor, for the oppressed, for the brokenhearted. You know what, church? Jesus wants us to care as well. When we see needs, this is an opportunity for us to be involved in where God is working in other people's lives. Jesus wants us to care just like he cared. <clears throat> but I, there's this that we need to know as well. Not only did Jesus care for people's physical needs, most importantly, Jesus cared for their spiritual needs. Jesus isn't going to just give sight to this blind man physically, but at the end of the text we read that this man comes to understand and see spiritually who Jesus really is and falls down and worships him. You know what, church? That's the real miracle of this text. That's why Jesus come into this world, to seek and to save those who are lost. And so as we look at this text, we see the sharp contrast between Moses' disciples who are trusting their sight, whom Jesus says are com- is, they're completely blind. And this blind man who is utterly dependent upon God for his vision, his sustenance, Jesus gives sight to. That's the point of this text. But you know what? We live in a culture today that is full of social justice warriors who are wanting to put God's people on a guilt trip. I was uh, listening to a youth pastor 
um, on YouTube this week, uh, rant against Christians who supposedly do not care as much as Jesus cares. And they sounded so convincing. This is what this is what she said. She said, people who don't know Jesus are actually closer to Jesus than we are. Jesus was legit, the most privileged, the most powerful human on earth, and he gave it all up, and he humbled himself before the marginalized and said, you know what? I see you. I hear you. I am for you. That sounds so true. But it's just almost true, church. I like what uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. He said this, Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and wrong. And almost right. This gal was almost right. Yes, Jesus abandoned heaven's throne. He he did what the the Father had called him to do. He came to seek and to save those who are life. He gave up everything. And he did see this blind man. And he was concerned about his physical condition as well as his spiritual condition. Though he healed him physically, the reason why he came was to save people, save this individual from their sin. I like what Daryl Harris says. Jesus is not a deistic social worker who came to understand your heart and to tell followers to do the same thing. He came to rescue people from their sin. That's the gospel. We cannot neglect the gospel for a social gospel. Jesus came to save people, rescue people from their sin. That's the central problem in this world today. And it was a central problem here. This man is blind because, you know what? He's part of a fallen, broken world. And God had greater purposes for his life. But all the sin, all the death, the disease, the rebellion, the war, the racism, Every imaginable and unimaginable, evil, desperate, desperately wicked people can think of is because of the world that we live in. It is a world of darkness. <clears throat> Go back three weeks ago to the, the woman that was caught in an adultery. And uh, the fact that these men, these religious leaders, uh, hauled this woman caught in the act to 
into Jesus. They wanted to know what Jesus was going to do with this, this individual. And from a social justice perspective, people applaud what Jesus did. They see the need of this woman, that this woman is oppressed by misogynistic, patriarchal, um, you know, individuals who, who just want to have authority over, over uh, uh, women. And they say, Jesus did the right thing. He, def- def- he defended the gal in front of these evil men. And yes, he did. And uh, Jesus said, neither do I forgive you. But when it comes to what that condemn you, neither do, that's right, neither do I condemn But, uh, you know, each man went his way because each man knew that he was guilty before God. And he was, that he wasn't without sin. He wasn't in a, in a place where he could cast a stone. Uh, at this woman. And from a social justice perspective, individuals will look at this woman and the fact that Jesus defended this woman, and that's, that's enough. But they don't go on to point out that Jesus also said to this woman, Now, neither do I forgive you condemn you now go i don't know i didn't even have to get enough sleep last night neither do i condemn you now go and sin no more for the social justice crowd church it's all about the oppressed and they're never accountable for their sin it's always the oppressor that needs to be asking for forgiveness. It's always the oppressor that's in the wrong. And for the oppressed, they're not accountable for their sin. You know what the Bible says, church? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all must see our own sinfulness. And we live in a very dark world. And Jesus has come into the world as the light of the world to show us our blindness, our lostness. And even if we don't see or know the light of the world, guess what? God says we're still accountable for our sin. Because we all have the ability within our heart to know who God is. According to Romans chapter 1, none of us are without excuse. And this is what the Bible says. Our problem is sin. And as we look at this blind man, this blind man, is a picture of humanity. This blind man was had a congenital de- defect physically, and he was born blind. Guess what? We all have a defect when we came into this world, when we were conceived in our mother's womb. We were all conceived in sin. The Bible says we are all 
sinners and fall short of the glory of God. We all have this spiritual blindness. And Jesus has come to reveal our spiritual blindness. And so here we have, this is, this is uh, verses uh, 1 through 5. And uh, I promise that the rest of this message is going to go a little bit quicker. But um, so Jesus sees this man's condition. And the Bible says in verse 6, he spits on the ground and he forms mud with, with his, his saliva. And he puts mud on this blind man's eyes. And he get, tells to go wash at the pool of Siloam. Now, John carefully points out in verse 7 that this pool of Siloam means sent. And right there in that verse, Jesus is just reminding us what he has throughout the book of John, that Jesus is sent from the Father. He has come from the Father. The Father has sent him to seek and to save those who are lost. So he sends him to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. The man washes his eyes, and he is he, his sight. He has sight for the very first time. Now, understand this. It was the Sabbath day. Again, <laughs> when J- Jesus heals somebody, when Jesus helps somebody, this was not an accident, okay? He's already gotten in trouble uh, several times before, and he's going to do something on the Sabbath one more time. He, he spits on the ground. He forms mud. He, he, you know, he's working at this point. He tells the, the blind man to go to the pool of Siloam to wash. Uh, he's working on that day, and uh, Jesus heals this blind man. And, uh, and that becomes a topic of conversation for the Pharisees once again. So this happens, and then in verses 8 through 38, we see four different conversations here, okay? In verses 8 through 12, uh, after the man has been um, healed of his blindness, his neighbors, his friends see him, and they say, hey, isn't that guy who, isn't that our friend who was blind? Now he sees, and, and some weren't convinced, others were. And he, he says, I'm that guy. And they ask Jesus, well, who healed you? And as we go through these four conversations quickly, I just want you to see the progress of this man's faith. When Jesus healed him, of his blindness, he still doesn't know who Jesus is, okay? Uh, he doesn't know that Jesus is God. He's the one, the, the Messiah, whom, whom, whom God has sent. At this point in verse 12, uh, he says, um, no, not verse 12. Verse 11, he said, um, he answered, 
the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my, my eyes. So they asked, who healed you? This man named Jesus. And so at this point, Jesus is just a man. And so the neighbors, not sure what to think, so they take Jesus to the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees are all up in arms regarding this because they realize that Jesus has been healed on the Sabbath day. And so in verses 13 through 17 and verses 24 through 34, we see two separate conversations uh, that the the man made well um, is having with the Pharisees. And in both these conversations, I want you to see the direction, the growth, the maturity of the man who's been healed of his blindness. And I want you to see the stubbornness of the Pharisees who continue to reject the truth. Verse 11, uh, we've already seen that Jesus described, the, the man described Jesus as a man. Now in verse 17, uh, of uh, John chapter 9, and they said this. So they said to the, to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. Jesus has gone from uh, just a man in his mind to now a prophet because he knows that even in the Old Testament, prophets did some supernatural things. And so he sees Jesus as a prophet And then if you go down to 38, and we'll look at it more closely um, in just a moment. But uh, verse 37, Jesus said to him, uh, verse 36, well, verse 35. Jesus heard that he had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe the Son of Man? And the man who's been made whole says and who is he sir that i may believe in him and jesus said to him you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you and he said lord i believe and he worshiped him this is his moment of salvation when he understands who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. He is the Lord, and he worships him. So that's, that's the progress uh, that the, the, the man made well. has. Uh, that's the progress that he's made. But for the Pharisees, verse 16 of uh, chapter 9, the Pharisees say about Jesus, this man is not from God. Verse 24, this man, speaking of Jesus, he's a sinner. He can't do things. And then in verse 34, to the beggar, they say to him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? They're not about to believe this man's testimony. They are... Just understand, once again, the stubbornness, the rebellion of their heart, that the light of the world is in their very presence, but they cannot tolerate him. 
They don't want to have anything to do with him. That is the direction that they are moving in. And so here are, here's the irony of this text. The, the Pharisees are the blind ones. But they don't believe that they're blind. They have the law. They are disciples of Moses. And they're convinced in their heart of hearts that they are the ones who see. And yet here is this healed man who sees the Messiah to whom the law points. And he can see the Messiah when, when, when the Pharisees can't. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible to know Jesus, to be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ. You just need to know the most important part, that Jesus came to die for your sin, that you are a sinner, and that you need his forgiveness. And when God has given you that little bit of light and you say yes to him, that's when the journey ends. It doesn't take a whole lot of Bible knowledge for you to be saved. You just need to know the main thing. And from that main thing, guess what? God gives you desire to learn more about what the Word of God is all about. And so here's this blind man. He doesn't know much, but he's seeing a whole lot more clearly than these, these blind Pharisees. <clears throat> so that was the, the conversation with the, the Pharisees, and then I, uh, there's that third conversation that uh, the blind man had, and that was in regard to his parents. Now these parents... They need to have a 101 class on parenting because they're pretty lame parents. They threw their son under the bus. Instead of trying to defend their son and, yes, the, this, this is our son, yes, he was born blind, but obviously he's encountered the Messiah and uh, Jesus healed him, they, they passed the buck. And why don't you ask him? He's of age. He'll tell you. And why do they do that? Because they're living in fear. They're afraid of the Pharisees. They're, being, they're afraid of being cast out of the synagogue. You know, the synagogue was their life. And uh, to not be able to have that, they would have lost their identity. And so their identity was wrapped up on, in the law, not in a relationship with Christ. And they throw their son under the bus. But it's in that conversation that the Pharisees are convinced that, yeah, this, this is the man who was blind, whom Jesus has healed. And they're upset about it, the Pharisees. Because, again, Jesus has violated their law, the law of man. You know, Jesus didn't violate the Sabbath law. You know, he keeps the Sabbath law holy. 
that it's okay to do good things on the Sabbath day, but according to man's law, you couldn't do a thing on the Sabbath day. And so in their eyes, the Pharisees' eyes, Jesus has violated man their, their law. And that has kept them in their blindness, in their stubbornness, in rejecting Jesus. So as we conclude the message this morning, my question to you is, are you blind? We live in a world of darkness, spiritually speaking. And darkness is a scary thing. You know, think about Think about your house, or I think about my house in the middle of night. Oftentimes I, I get up early in the morning, or I, may, I have a hard time going to sleep. And so um, as I turn out the lights and uh, try to find my way to my, to my bedroom and, and to bed or getting up, in that darkness, when I can't see a thing, how am I maneuvering myself? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, walking along, I'm feeling the walls, okay? I know where the bathroom is, and so uh, it's going to be the, a doorway right there. And just beyond the bathroom, I can turn the corner and head to my bedroom. Now, sometimes the bedroom door is closed, and so as I'm walking in darkness and can't see a thing, I've got my hand out here like this because I know I'm going to run into that door, and so... Instead of plowing in with my nose, I'm able to open the door. But I'm kind of groping, okay, in darkness. And that's what it's like, church, when we don't know the Lord. In our spiritual deadness, as we go through this world, we are groping in darkness. Now, it's not that scary in my house, because... I know where things are in my house. But have you ever been out in the woods without a flashlight? And you don't know where you're at. You don't know what's at your feet. I I remember one time at uh, children's camp at uh, Forest Home. It was the middle of the night. I had to go to the restroom. And so... I couldn't find my flashlight, and uh, there were no lights outside the cabin, and I was trying to make my way down this path, not knowing what was at my feet, what I might trip over, and that was really scary. How about adding the possibility of a bear in the middle of the darkness? You know, that's scarier. But again, that's a, pure, that's a picture of the world that we live in. We live in spiritual darkness. But the light of the world has come to shine in our darkness. And when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? He becomes our flashlight. 
He becomes our roadmap. He becomes the way, the truth, and the life. And church, we cannot navigate this life without the light of the world. Do you have spiritual sight? Or are you spiritually blind? There are some people who are spiritually blind, but they are yet not convinced. And they try to listen to the world's ways. Whatever way that might be, it might be a a horoscope, it might be, well, the answer is within you. It could just be some kind of new age philosophy thing. And I want here to tell you, the word of God here to tell you that there is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one light. Quit fighting God. Quit trying to convince yourself, well, I'll, I'll think, take the things that God says and incorporate them with the things that the world says as well. And I'll just try to make it all work. My friend, it's not all going to work. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this man who was healed of his blindness came to understand that clearly. For the Pharisees, they were holding on to Big Mo. It was all about the law. And in their minds, they were convinced. And they asked Jesus, Jesus, are we blind too? And Jesus says, Verse 41, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Basically what he's saying, as long as you think you can see and you don't need me and Moses is all you need, you're still in your guilt. But if you met that you're desperate for Jesus, and Jesus is the only way, Jesus says, I'll erase that guilt, and you'll be able to see. My friend, where are you today? Jesus is the only way. And that's what this text is all about. Yeah, do we need to be concerned about the handicapped, the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed? Absolutely. Jesus was. And guess what, church? Jesus is still in the world today. 
He's still the light of the world today. He has given us his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says as long as it's still day, we need to be about the works of God because one day darkness is coming and it's all over. But while it's still daylight, let's do the works of God. But it's not just about social issues. It's about man's eternity and the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior. That's the gospel. And that's what Jesus came to do. And if you're without Christ this morning, friend, I want to encourage you, come to Jesus. He wants to be your light. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For many of us here in this room, God, we've encountered your grace. This this blind man, he couldn't see. He wasn't looking for Jesus. But Jesus, you saw him. And you came to him. Even when he was cast out of the temple, he was experiencing persecution. Jesus, you heard it. And you came to him. That's your grace. For many of us here in this room, how thankful we are that we've encountered your grace. That you've taken taken his eyes of spiritual blindness and have given us sight spiritually to see you, to know you, to live for you. Father, I pray for the one who's struggling, who's still in darkness. They don't have to stay there if they'll just choose to believe. Believe who Jesus says he is. Father, we love you. Encourage hearts in this place this morning. 